Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Minor Nation? I'm Anthony Sloan. This is Alex and Nicholas coming from you live. Enrique Iglesias and Pitbull's dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> Passed by there, though. We tried that one time. It didn't work out. Yeah, that was, that was a fail. But what's going on, fellas? Got a lot of uh, conversations stirred up right now on Twitter talking about a real... I think a question that that deserves to be asked after after five years, and it's it should Tim Floyd be on the hot seat, and we'll get into that a little later on. But got a good show planned. Going to be talking some UTEP football recruiting with the national signing day coming up first Wednesday of, of February. What is that about? Exactly, exactly a week away. Is that right? Next week we'll probably have some recruits for y'all on the show. We'll probably have a breakdown of all the happenings. There could be a couple of surprises. We'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Now, I'm looking at these tweets coming in. People are definitely heated up about that Tim Floyd conversation. But let's get right into it, man. Let's talk some Let's talk some UTEP football recruiting. Um, talk about the new guys that, that have signed since the last time, or actually I shouldn't say signed, that have committed since the last time we talked. One of them, most notably, a highly rated defensive back. Man, K-Long Beverly. Talk about kind of the week that it's been in football recruiting. One, two, three, four, five. Six recruits in less than 24 hours committed after a huge weekend where we confirmed up to 12 guys coming in for the visits, and the commitments just kept popping in over Monday and Tuesday. Starting off, well, the most recent one was Kalon Beverly that Anthony brought up here in the opening. Six one, six one and a half, six two defensive back, depending on where you look. And I mean, you're talking about a steal. You know, everybody talks about, oh, that's a good recruiting steal. That's a good pickup. I mean, this guy right now is the jewel of this recruiting class. Yep. I mean, just a huge pickup, a guy that had, I want to say it was an offer either. He was offered by He had over 10 Memphis. offers, but I believe that he had an Ole Miss or a Louisville. I think it was a Louisville. Louisville. Fred Walls, the, the linebacker Walls we're talking about, was the one from Ole Miss. Yeah. But, I mean, a guy that came, just comes from a pedigree from Edna Carr High School, a team that just ran shop in Louisiana, pumped out guys like a Speedy Knoll who's at A&M, just dozens and dozens of division one talent and this guy was right there with them making plays um you know a three-star guy by right now by 24 7 sports i mean this is a huge huge pickup for utep um a guy that i really feel if he comes in and he has a really good year utep defense is their secondary it's hard to place oh this is a starter other than you have devin cockrell and deshaun smith coming back it's a per, per, uh, personnel predicated defense and this is a guy that if he has a really good, uh, really good workout in, in the fall, he could fall into one of those packages and, of course, special teams. Yeah, talking about a couple other guys, Foster Dixon and D'Amico Harrison uh, recruited. They were, uh, they were the first to commit after that, that big recruiting weekend. And Harrison was a guy that, that we kind of had some thoughts might end up staying away from UTEP if North Texas came into mm-hmm. play because of where he's coming from out of uh, the Oklahoma area, if I'm not Oklahoma mistaken. City. Um, and, and so, you know, if North Texas, which obviously is a lot closer to where he's from, came into the picture, which they were, they hadn't offered, uh, we thought that might play into whether or not he would end up at UTEP. But gives a commitment, North Texas goes and offers, and he says, I'm 100% committed to UTEP. I will be a minor this coming fall. Huge pickup, 290-pound, 6'5", defensive lineman out of Oklahoma. Um, like you mentioned, Oklahoma Super 30 list, 25th best prospect in Oklahoma pretty big and, and you know that's a guy that really is just so versatile he's long he's athletic he can jump he's a basketball player i mean just so many tools for this guy and and the, the one of the to me if you want to talk about a diamond in the rough a guy like foster dixon a six five two hundred and thirty five pound defensive end that is just a monster on the basketball court for fairfax he he's starting on a team right now that's tied for 20 and 0 i mean this is just an athletic kid it's just a monster of has athletic ability and and a guy like him under what UTEP's done with their strength and conditioning program and with a guy like Andrew Browning running that defensive line I think Foster Dixon can be in that mold of a production of where Roy Robertson is at now and that's really a big pickup because I always look at well what does the kid other do do besides uh, football and he's a high level guy but this is a guy that could probably be at a couple of mid-majors out in that West Coast and probably be a sixth to seventh man guy in a rotation. But, I mean, he's got the frame to be a defensive end and a productive defensive end for the minors. Probably needs to put on just a little bit of weight. But like oh, yeah. you mentioned, with the strength and training program that we got here, that shouldn't be any kind of issue at all. With what he did out there in L.A., I mean, he's shown a ton. And, and I, I like you, you mentioned, he's definitely one that could bloom into a real star, uh, maybe not as a 
sophomore and junior seasons after some of these guys that we have right now graduate, this guy could really turn into a great pass rusher there off the edge. Um, three other commitments that came in following those two uh, came in, what was this? Like you mentioned, Cole Ford. Hitting these areas. This is a guy out of Bothell, Washington. If you don't know about Bothell, I mean, this is one of the best programs in the state of if not one of the best programs in the whole West region. Um, the Lufasas came out of there, so there's that connection. And everybody said, well, why is he going to the Northwest? Why is he going there? There's connections there. Cole Ford's another one. The guy's 6'4", 250. I mean, very, very productive. That offense was, it was more of a pass to the receiver's offense when I watched that one game that they played against Miami Central. But still, I mean, he's a guy that has that frame to build on. This is, I mean, it's kind of like a, you can say this about every one of these recruits that Kugler has. They just have frame with upside. And I think that's a big thing in Kugler's offense because it is a physical offense. It is an offense where as a tight end, you're going to have to block somebody. You're going to have to blow somebody's ass off the ball and move them. And you're also going to be able to have to have that athleticism and that versatility to make plays across the middle or, you know, hopefully that they can get more uh, creative with the tight ends this year. Is that that's, what they, that's kind of the plan. But that's a pretty good pickup there, not only just because he has that frame, he has that skill set, but it's continuing to tap in to that Northwest kind of connection. A couple years that could be a legitimate pipeline for UTEP and then Going down the list, a guy that's really an, another really good athlete out of the Los Angeles area, Tyrone Nelson, <clears throat> excuse me, playing uh, running back and safety. This is a guy that you're probably going to see more at safety. I talked to him the other day about his recruitment, and he's uh, saying that he was also recruited as a strong safety. Has a, needs some size. This guy's definitely a redshirt candidate, but you can see the speed, the production. He's played in a high level up there in the Western League. Was there off with the LA Times MVP along with Foster Dixon, who was a D. Defensive MVP, offensive. We have offensive and a defensive MVP from a Los Angeles County School District or league or however they want to call it, section, uh, different areas use different words. That's a huge pickup. And another under the radar gem from the New York area that's confirmed with a couple other uh, media outlets that he will be gray shirting Brad Zaffram. I know a lot of guys on minor rush were fired up about him. A lot of guys on minor digs were fired up about him. And I, and I agree. I agree. This kid is just exactly what Cougar wants a, a controlled, reckless freak that just is physical and that is tough and that's going to come up there and hit you in the mouth he had some off field problems which you know i don't really want to get into because i just feel that we should be celebrating their their commitments and, and all this and that's why you know we won't really do it at minor rush i won't do it because i just feel like that's that's something that doesn't need to be talked about but there was a character issue which is why you don't see very many offers other than robert morris of, of fcs school but just this guy is kind of like the football model, what Cougar wants. Physical, tough, and is going to smack the shit out of you. And this is a guy really that I feel is going to become something very special in the next couple of years, but he is going to take that gray shirt. Um, and, and it's needs. It, it, they're just really feeling needs overall. You know, we talked about all these guys, um, and, and it really, really they're building depth. Now that we were talking before the show with a guy like Zaffum, with the with Aaron, or Aaron Alvin Jones being young and uh, the guy that they signed last year, Justin Tatum and Nathan Stukes, that they have a linebacker. All of a sudden, you're looking and UTEP's going after that Fred Walls kid out yeah. of the Mississippi area. UTEP, that guy, I, oh, that, that's, the that's the guy that could. Linebacker. That's the guy that could make you know make this recruiting class one of the biggest that we've seen in a while. Yeah. I mean, that would be the icing on the cake. Talking about a guy that's getting uh, looks from major Division One programs, offer from Ole Miss. You're talking about SEC country. We, if we can land that kid, um, you know, it would be huge not only to to our needs but just to show what what this coaching staff can do recruiting wise, I mean, to land a player of his caliber would be, like I said, just the icing on the cake. But you know, what I find real interesting is the fact, and there's another thing we talked about before the show, is the coaching staff is starting to develop those pipelines. You know, you're starting to see them attack these areas over and over again. You talk about a kid like Zaffron that comes out of Canisius, which we saw our tours come from. We mentioned that multiple times in the write-ups. That Northeast, the Northwest, California, and it's outside of Texas because yeah. we know how hard it is to go and recruit Texas. As as we, we've seen that he, that he's got, they went after Houston and Dallas yeah. kids, and now we're seeing those kids commit somewhere. And, and it's very hard. We know that. We've we've known that for for decades. How hard it is to recruit Texas, especially with other programs coming up, like your North Texas, like your UTSA's and Houston's. You know now. In, in the in the American, and that might be a little more prestigious. Um, but you know, you, it, it's very hard to go up and compete with those schools, and we haven't even 
mention the big dogs, the yeah. Texas, the A&Ms. You know, so it's very hard to recruit Texas. And, of course, we're still going to see us attacking the state. But, you know, it's great to see us establishing those pipelines in other areas. And, and another thing, um, you know, we didn't mention on the show, but Marco Zuhan, you know, sticking to, to the El Paso area, you know, and trying to, to lock down this talent. Another kid that we haven't even talked about is the guy that you really like out of Mayfield, quarterback that you could see come in here. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, off off show, um, if he were to come in, commit, sign, have a great spring, might be a guy that's competing for the starting role next year. Oh yeah, and not only that, but there's still there's still some loose ends to be tied, and there's another local kid, Greg Long, that's coming in for a visit. Greg Long was offered by San Diego State, took a visit there, big time kind of. Uh, I mean, the big time for guys like us that follow football, your casual football fan probably won't know about Greg Long. But they're still looking to sign two more offensive linemen to, to solidify this class. And you talk about going local with a guy that could be good in that. I mean, to me, watching this film, I mean, there, it's really hard to say that there is a, 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 a guy that's ready to play at the next level when you're talking about a mid-major football school. Yeah. You know, it's really tough. But when you look at his footwork and you look at his decision-making, you look at his confidence, and you look at the way that he steps into every throw – that makes their stuff that you kind of have to develop. I'm no quarterback guru. Hell, I'm a damn caseworker with the state of Texas. <laughs> I don't know shit, but when you look at this guy, he just has those tangibles that where you hear coach talking, well, we got to develop his footwork. Well, yeah. we got to develop this. He has that already. Yeah. And, if, and, if, and if he comes in there, and like we talked about last show, where do you go with the offense? And we talked about this little pre-show. If you go with that spread system that they ran last year, I think Kavika Johnson is your leader in the house. Yeah. But if you want to go, you know, there's, we haven't even touched we haven't heard anything new out of the two possible uh, Power Five quarterback transfers. Those guys are pro quarterbacks. And that's so, you know, like we talked about, it, it really comes down to what we're going to do with this system, with this program, with the offense, the play calling. Because one thing I think we know for sure is that there will be a quarterback that enters this class. I don't know if it's going to come out of, you know, a Division One program like we talked about with the kids out of Pittsburgh, Arizona, or if it's going to come in a high school kid like a guy like Kavika Johnson. I think a lot. With with Kavika Johnson, we talked about it. I mentioned to you my biggest issue with him, um, and it's hard to tell just by watching film, but does he have that arm strength yeah, to get it done? I does he need the arm strength in this system? I don't know. But with the tools that the coaching staff has put in place, it seems like this offense is really going to be revamped this coming year. It seems like they're going to start opening it up a little bit. Just You, you look at the tools on the outside, guys like Elliot Oldham and, and just other guys that we've put in place, You know, it seems like they might be interested in just – opening it up. I think they took a lot of heat being so conservative throughout the year. I mean, they did great. We can't complain seven and five season bowl and whatnot, but you know, I think what we're seeing in this off season with the recruiting class and whatnot is kind of pointing towards them changing things up, tweaking it on the end and to be more capable. Yeah, be more capable. And, and that, and, and that for me leans more towards one of these transfers more than does Kavika Johnson. And I think, I if, think and that. I think if, if one of these guys, these transfers comes in, I think Kavika Johnson kind of might slip out of the picture. Um, I, I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't know what I mentioned to you was, I don't know if a guy like Kavika Johnson is going to want to wait two years to get his opportunity to start. Whereas if these guys are transferring in, they might not be guaranteed the starting spot, but they're probably told, hey, as long as you take care of business in the spring, you're probably going to be our starter come the fall. So, I mean, we know that there's going to be a quarterback coming in. I'm leaning more towards one of these transfers, but I wouldn't be disappointed with the guy like Kavika either. Uh, Real quick, let you all know, if you all want to call in, chime in on the conversation, 347-934-0951. Call in, let us know what you want to talk about. Right now, just talking some UTEP football recruiting. Um, we're going to continue to bring bring more recruiting news as, as we lead up to National Signing Day, which is one week from today. We'll hopefully have some guys for you all to talk to. I mean, we're, oh, yeah. we're lining them up. a lot of work to do. <laughs> no doubt about it. And and we'll, we'll, we'll have a good episode, not only this week, but next week as well. We'll have some of the recruits coming in. We'll have a couple of guys, like I said, still be on the lookout there. They, to solidify this class is two more offensive linemen, and uh, we tweeted out who's the kid that we tweeted out earlier today uh, that got an offer. We talked about Greg Long, Ruben Guerra, uh, Guerra, six four two ninety five, guy that just got offered. We haven't verified if he's going to make a, a visit this week, but uh, there is uh, two two commit no two uncommitted 
players that are going to take a visit. I'm pulling that up. And then we also have uh, Denzel. I, I'm always going to mess yeah. up his name. Until Don't I meet him it. and, and find out his name. But Mr. Denzel Chikawalu. Uh, <laughs> like I told I'm you, it's probably, probably not even that bad. It's You're probably not, pretty close. Yeah. But, you know, you, you're talking about just the guys that are going to come in and visit over the weekend. There's still three or four guys that are going to be able to come in here and, uh, and, and possibly pop a commitment this week. So the offensive line, that's really what Kugler and company is hitting. So, Keep an eye out. We'll keep you guys updated, man. Any questions, anything y'all have, hit us up on there. Our, uh, Ar- Arlington, Gibson, and running back Will Matthews, the guy that our recruiting insider, Angel Luna, is very high on. And when Angel's high on somebody, it's legit. So those are two names, two uncommitted guys that are going to come in for visits. Got to keep an eye on those two. That would, those was, those two with Fred Walls like you're talking about. And then the guy we didn't even mention, JT uh, How many Jallo. Yeah, yeah, Jallo. And that, that's Jallo. another thing to look at, too. They're going to probably oversign. That's so what we're we're, we had, there's 16 available. 16, yeah. You're going to see a handful of gray shirts. And, 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 it's, and I think you're going to sign up. There is, they want to sign up to 23. So that means seven gray shirts next year, which is always a good thing, especially with the classes they're bringing in with that. That's Definitely, stars are not really old. This guy ran for three thousand yards, but it's it's needs that's gonna help it. with the recruiting class that they brought in last year. What what's already set this year, this past year, as legitimate guys that are gonna contribute. So a lot to keep an eye on. We're gonna be busy. A lot will be wrapped weekend. up, and a lot of questions will be answered in the next week. I mean, once National Signing Day hits, and we see who actually signs on those dotted lines. Um, and it, it's like we're saying, we we could go and. We could walk into that interview room and all of a sudden, yeah. hey, Trey Anderson um, committed and exactly. Connor Brewer. They were thinking, and it, like I said, it wouldn't be the first it time. It wouldn't be the first time. So a lot to keep an eye on. Hit us up if you got any inside legitimate information. We can always use it. Let's move along, man. Let's start talking some Utah basketball because this is what's burning here for me. I want to get to this is what I want to talk about. Um, a, po- a question that I posed right before the show, um, should Tim Floyd be on the hot seat? I mean, this isn't not, this isn't anything new. Something talked about on, on multiple forums at Minor Rush. We've talked about it in the articles and comments and whatnot about where the program is at with Tim Floyd after five years. I want to know, and I shouldn't say after, we're in the middle of the fifth year, still plenty of time for this season to get turned around, but I want to know from you, what do you think? Should Tim Floyd be on the hot seat? I'm hot and cold on that. I mean, it's, you know, you look at, at, at the scheme of things of this year and the hype that he brought on the team, which was deserve. I mean, we have a really group, group, really good group, even though they're struggling. But the half part of me is, is, I mean, two, three years ago, when you know, coaches always think a year ahead. They always think two, three years ahead when they're looking at the future of the program. Did Tim Floyd really see not not a Harris when I say this, but did he really starting with this group? And of course, when he's had some bad luck. Because in our actuality, and I hate to go down this route, but I think this kind of helps my case of where I don't think Floyd deserves to be on it. The starting lineup this year should be Mackenzie Moore at the one. It should be Isaac Hamilton at the two. Julian Washburn to start, and and obviously what started. And there's a bunch of other guys. Jacob Thomas. We can go down the list. Chris Sandifer is a guy that should be here. Floyd's had some bad luck. He's tried to swing for the fences to bring in. We talk about. I, I'm hearing on Twitter. Oh, there's no offensive alpha dog. There's no guy to give it and go in the last minute. Well, there was. They're probably sitting at home other than Isaac Hamilton right now, who, by the way, is struggling. Anyways, but, I mean, to me, I think it's a que- it's a legitimate question, but I think we have to see how this season plays out. Um, you know, I, and I'll, not only this season, but I honestly, I think w- with the talent that he has coming in next year, I would even give him a pass to next season just because of the bad luck he has. Like I said, this this starting lineup is probably not his ideal starting lineup that he thought about two, three years ago. A lot was, I mean, you look at how we talked about we recruited for this game when he's talking about Arizona this year. They signed that Arizona contract, what, 2011 before they played in 2012. He, the way that he recruited, I mean, he, he had some unfortunate, I mean, gambling stuff that was out of his control. Isaac Hamilton made, some people don't think, it was out of his control. Some people think it was about his doing, but that's another story. That's another topic for another day. But I think that it is it, it's legitimate to question it. But I think before we like fire under that seat, I think we got to see how the how we can turn this around. Everybody knows Floyd that he's at his best when his back against the wall. Last season depleted roster. This season, yeah. you know, four and three star in conference USA. So I think it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate topic. But I think we got to wait and to see how this season goes because I mean, the team last year went through deeper hell than this, and they put together 10 straight. 
this team has that same mold. Will it come in between these guys to figure it out is the key. But you know, it's, you know, it's a touch, it's, to me, it's a touchy subject. It, really. it is very touchy, and I'll, and I'll, I'm probably going to take a lot of heat for this, but I, I do, I am one that thinks that he's not on the hot seat to the to the extent that if if we don't win X amount of games or if we don't win the conference USA tournament or you know whatever it might be, I'm not saying it, it is already hot enough that he might lose his job. But it should start to be talked about. It should start to be, you know, it, it should be brought up. It, it, it should be known to him that, hey, you know what, 12-7 and seven, midway through the season, with, with, with whether it is your, your, your ideal starting five or not, with the amount of talent that's on this team, 12-7 and seven just simply is not good enough. Yeah. You know, 4-0, and a 4-0 start followed up by 8-7 and seven over, over 15 games, 8-7. and seven. And we're not talking about, you know, okay, fine, you lost to Arizona. Okay, you lost to, to um, Washington. You lost on the road to Colorado State. Fine. But, but what happened with Marshall? What happened with, with New Mexico State? New Mexico State, when we played them, we're, we're missing two of their key starters. Didn't have a, a guy in Bular who it may not be what his brother was as far as, you know, pretty much played the them, recruiting class from but, last year. Yeah, but, but, I mean, they, they were lacking so many guys. And they 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 beat us. They erased a nine point lead like, and pretty much wiped us off the floor. I mean, that last, you're right. It, it's 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 these inconsistencies that we've started to see in this in this program, and it, and it hasn't just been this year. And it and it's not even just about losing to NMSU or losing to Marshall. As I mentioned to you before the show, you're gonna have days where a five and fifteen team is going to outshoot you. They're going to knock down 10, 12, 15 threes on you in a game and beat you. That's not what it's about. But when you start to see these kind of things on a regular basis and it starts to become a trend, that's and And for me, what I've seen Floyd in five years now, and again, I, I'm a huge, I like Floyd. You know, I think he's a great defensive-minded coach. He's obviously a hell of a recruiter. Or his whole staff is, is a great recruiting staff. You know, he puts together the best schedules that we've seen in years. We were used to cupcake after cupcake, you know. And, and so he's done a lot of good things for this program. But when it comes down to the wins and losses, man, it just hasn't been there. And, and we're talking about five years now, and we've had one one NIT berth, not even an NIT win, not an NCAA tournament appearance, nothing. One NIT berth, zero wins in that tournament. And that was with all of Tony Barbie's guys. And and that just to me, man. It, it, at some point, the question has to be raised: How long do you give him? Is it five years? Is it six years? Is it seven years? I mean, does it really take even with the bad breaks? Does it take seven or eight years? You know, I, I mean, I to me, that's six. I, I I would say six on that question because like he's there's one thing that he that for Floyd has a very very good art. That was a dagger. Duke goes down by the way. We're watching Duke at Notre Dame. Notre Dame just hit a dagger to close it out. But I mean really Floyd's biggest thing that he can say that he's brought he's, seconds that what are you talking about? Oh, that's a dagger. That's a dagger. <laughs> On the road, that's a dagger. But I mean Floyd has brought he's he's brought better core of players than let's say a Barbie did. Let you know maybe not Barbie, but if you go back a little deeper, he's brought in some star guys. He's brought in guys with with, with um, you know, guys that were known about on their coast or wherever they're from, and, and I'll definitely give him that. But like I said, I, I, on my side of it is I still think that he does need one year. This year, there should be no excuse for twelve and seven. You know, I mean, it's really to me the players aren't executing the past couple games. I, I really can't go in on Floyd because I, you know, you look at it, kind of his body language where it's like it's there, the shots there, the plays there, we fumble it out of bounds or we miss a, a jumper. I mean. It's it's kind of you know it's like checks and balances with it because yeah there's some things where it's like okay well then maybe in practice you should have been working on that open shot a little bit more people can throw that out there with a fair argument but at the same time I mean it's just it, I really think that the guy deserves one more year just because of like you I, said what he's kind of made I mean it's, it's not a win it, it, we haven't won much but there is kind of where well UTEP is bringing in the best recruiting class of conference. Saying they'll play anybody, they're not scared. Yeah, and I and I definitely agree with that. And I don't think he should be fired unless we were to like lose out or something crazy like that. I don't think he should be fired after this year. I'm just saying that that topic has to start coming up. 
to start thinking about it because you know what? I'll, I'll compare it to to Mike Price, mm-hmm. and the only reason that people gave Mike Price longer than than they did, and I was the biggest Mike Price supporter. I still didn't think Price should have been fired when he was. I only think that the only reason resigned, he, resigned, whatever, resigned. Yeah, <laughs> we all know what happened. You know, I was a huge Mike Price supporter, and the only reason UTEP is what it is today is because of what he did. But regardless of that. Years here, and he had some success, but I compare it to that. And people gave him those those extra years, and and I feel like we're kind of rushed by by a couple people that we're kind of entering that Mike Price zone of like, hey, well, yeah, you've had some success here, you've done some good things, you've brought in some good teams to play here, but how many years are we going to give you? You know, we're entering that that zone with Tim Floyd. It's, it's a reunion. And, and as a basketball coach at, at what I consider to be a basketball school, you don't get nine years. I, I think, you know, if you're if in an NCAA tournament, se- NCAA tournament season or maybe at worst like a deep NIT run next year, I think that's it, man. And, and, and I mean, the conference is how we were talking about yeah. before the year where you had a team like UTEP when he went in that, that, that NIT year quote down here for conference USA but you know you still had like you mentioned Will Barton was a freshman you know but you look at at the year before and you had Aubrey Coleman with Houston or I think he may be he may have been a senior during that year but still you know down I mean it really is no way that FAU should have beat UTEP last year there's no way Marshall should I mean Marshall's been around for a while but they're bottom of the barrel I mean it's just and I I think honestly what I think I can Kind of see what your frustration is losing. I think more of losing to the teams that we shouldn't lose to. Like, but and it, it, I, again, I think that's really where the frustration comes. Yeah. And Floyd had a really good counter quote uh, yesterday. Where he says, "I think our fans are used to winning on the road." Well, I mean, you. That's, bullshit, bro. Done, that's but, straight bullshit, man. Yeah, that I, is straight bullshit. I understand it's hard to win on the road. I understand that. And it's even harder to win on the road in league play. I've watched the minors play for almost 30 years, man. And I understand. This is not what the old whack nope, was, man. Nope. This is not a Power 5 conference. This is 5-15 and 15 Marshall. Exactly, Don't give me that exactly. weak-ass excuse that it's hard to win on the road. This is a New Mexico State team that's 30 minutes away from us that's without – Half their team, you know, and that, 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 that Menzies has somehow gotten this team to twelve yeah, wins. And, and look at this, I, I I forgive the Western Kentucky loss. Yeah, even oh, though yeah. we should have beat that team by fifteen. Yeah. somebody put on minor rush. You know, I'll, I'll take it because we lost with our D game and they were on their A game or something along those lines. I wouldn't necessarily say that exactly, but yes, we thing. we could not hit a damn thing. We missed half of our free throws, twelve free throws, and we went into overtime. You know, I'll I'll, I'll forgive that. I'll I'll write it off. That was you just can't find there. there was effort. Yeah, there was effort. It wasn't like we saw against Louisiana Tech, where it just looked like we had nothing. We couldn't find the range. We couldn't hit a shot. I'll, I'll forgive that. But to fall, that's when you say, "All right, we could." Rebound and let's let's take care of Marshall and let's go back home. Winding three or two of three on the road on a three-game road stretch. That would have been you know. You know everybody against Western Kentucky. We follow that up with a conference in the country. You cannot possibly. possibly in the country. You cannot come back and tell me that it's because it's tough to play on the road and that the fans are just spoiled. That's a bunch of garbage, man. And and, and I'm sorry again. Look, man. I, I think this. I've said it on minor rush. I think. This really to rebound. There's still plenty of time left, and there's still all the tools left. You know, I don't know why. And this goes back to another, you know, coaching question of why are so many guys redshirted? Why why are we running a seven man bench or a seven man rotation, bringing two guys off the bench? It, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And, and you know, I'm sorry, but Hooper Vent hasn't helped us much. Lou Stallworth has been hurt, and I don't know if he's ready to to give significant I don't, I don't minutes. Think so either. You know, I I'm sure he's gonna be a talent, but he's not there yet. And and it's these kind of coaching decisions that that make me think, like, well what what are we doing? Like what are we saving Flagger? That's my biggest you know, flagger. We we're missing these shooters, right? What what are we saving Touchet for? I don't know, man. And and it's those kind of things that even more than the wins and losses, just they they, they get me, man. And and 
you know, I'm not giving up on this team. I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there Saturday. I'll be screaming my ass off, and I'll be minor rush as emotionally invested as I've ever been, as I always am, because it's just in me. You know, I can't, I can't do anything about it. But it, it's frustrating, and I think these these things need to be talked about, man. Yeah, I mean, it, like like I, I think it's something. It's it's a legitimate to bring it up. It's a legitimate to bring it up. I mean, it, it's frustrating. I lost at UTSA. Oh my God! What would have happened with my nerves then? What would happen with the boards? But it's like it's it's. Call them trap games. You want to call them whatever. But with a team like with a team that's proven that they can that on the road in tougher situations and tougher environments and as boards they've shut teams down defensively. It's like you know you why are you letting a guy like a seventeen percent three point shooter just go off on you? You know what's what's crazy to me is is the inconsistency. Um, we expected that UTSA game to be the tougher game between the UTSA oh, yeah. and Marshall games. We expected UTSA to give us more fight, and we go out there and we win by 15 or 18 or what yeah, was it? About 20. Like, yeah, well. We handled them, and you're thinking, all right, we're getting back on track. We win by 20, whatever. We're cut, we talked about last week, and I said we were going to win. You know, I said we're going to finally turn that corner, put this together, and this is going to be the game that turns that season. And it turned it the other way, <laughs> you know. But it's just it, those inconsistencies from one game to the next. It's just it's like who is this team, man? You know, and and you have Vince Hunter, who, I mean, I think I think the racist to say player oh, of the yeah, year. Definitely. You know, at first it seemed like he was hands down, and, and he still might be. But with the guys, but you know, you've got a guy that could be the Conference USA Player of the Year. If he plays at as high of a level as he's been playing, could be the Freshman of the Year. You've got a guy in Urban, quote newcomer of the year. You've got veteran leadership, or supposed to have this veteran leadership, like Jim Washburn and C.J. Cooper. And I understand we don't have the depth, but you've got all those other tools. And you can't put it together. It. it it blows my mind, man. It, 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 I, I, this was supposed to be the season that that we were, you know, gonna run away with the league and finally win a conference championship under Floyd. Go back to fifteen and one every year in conference, fourteen and two, top of everything. Now I look at the at the power rankings every week, and I don't even know where to put UTEP. They deserve to be six. We will get into you know that what? later, but yeah, it's, I mean, I, I mean, just I, it's crazy, and this whole league is trash. Yeah, it I is. Mean, I mean, you, it, you, you look at no the top. You look at the top is. team. Western Kentucky is number one, right? Louisiana Tech number two, and then after that, it's like who belongs where? UTEP was up in that conversation, but to me now they're in the middle of the pack. I mean, it's standing wise, whatever you want to call it, but on the definitely fall into a middle of the pack team. And I mean, it's to me. It's been the rebounding. No I think it's been it. a huge thing with the rebounding. I'm looking at five offensive rebounds allowed in the past two games. Twelve to Marshall. Yeah. I can I can live with George Fant eating, you know, and and having some good rebound, having a good rebounding game. But it was a team rebounding game against On- Western Kentucky, and, and Marshall did the same thing. My question that I pose is: Are these is the lack of depth that you talk about forcing Floyd to go to these? Quote unquote, I hate using this word, but the quote unquote junk defenses where he's switching defenses and it's leaving us vulnerable for rebounding instead of just going up. And it's something to possibly revisited because when. And it's not just Marshall, it's seven of eight teams in league play have yeah. rebounded us. And you know what? I know, I understand. Look, it's hard to rebound out of the zone, it's hard to rebound with junk defenses. You know, it's hard to find your man, box him out, and it leaves a lot of, a lot of areas exposed and guys. To get off, makes you. We haven't been running that much junk defense lately, or even I think just more the last road trip. We've been running a lot of one three one. And we've got you know again Vince Hunter, the guys the guys stepping it up offensively. Oh yeah. But defensively, bro, I mean. I, I, I kind of called him out. I mean, he's only averaging three and a half that, rebounds that in is conference That is not play. acceptable, no, man. No. You are seven foot one. You know, all you got to do is stand there and pull down rebounds. You know, and, and that's that has to end. His offensive game coming along, that's great. That's great. We need that out of him. 
But I think on those points, you know, I, we can find 10, 12, you know, if he's only putting up five or six points, we can find the other points out of a number of other guys. But we can't find those rebounds. We can't expect to have another six rebounds out of guys. And that's where he really needs to step up. But but overall, just the rebounding has really been bad, man. That's been really killing us. And, and, and then, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean it's just it's it's as all there is to say. It's been killing us. To, to me, what 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 I'm looking I'm looking at if I look I'm looking at the UTEP stat sheet, stat sheet, and if I look at just the starters, and I'm looking at Julian Washburn averaging four and a half. I'm looking at Sed six and a half, and I'm looking at Vance. I'm thinking, damn, good, you know. But with UTEP's personnel. You go down a little further, and then you look at Wilms, nobody else. And it's like there's nobody else. There's nobody Wilms else. was in that four, six, five, four, four, six to six category, which I believe he should be because he's shown that presence defensively of him be, being active. It shouldn't even be a, a question of whether or not he gets five rebounds yeah, a game. Yeah, exactly. I mean that five rebounds is for a seven foot guy. I I don't know. You know I don't I I don't know any numbers off the top of my head, but I bet you if you go through the, the every single. True seven foot, I don't know, whatever, more than 20 minutes a game, there's probably very, very, very few that average less than five rebounds a game. And, and he has 60 less minutes in conference play than Cedric Lane, but Cedric Lane doubles him up in rebounds. You know, you look at it, and, and Wilms' his number, his minutes have gone down during conference play, but he's still out there. He spells said him and said kind of spell. You, it's been kind of rare to see them on the floor. I think only one time during the Marshall game, Floyd's kind of went away with that. But, I mean, it's just, it's something that, to me, is really disturbing. Not only that, but, you know, it seemed like Marshall was making us look like a really low-to-average defense. And that's not – and going back to the Floyd talk of, you know, hey – you know, we, there's been a lot of identities built under Floyd. One of them has been the defense. I mean, it's like, where has this gone with the, with guys that are the core of the defensive unit that held down 50 points a game the past 12 out of whatever it was road games, 12 out of 13. That's the more troubling thing, and I think that's something that for Floyd has got to be more than troubling. No, no doubt about it. And, again, if you all want to get on the conversation, 347 uh, You know, I don't mean to pick on Matt um, – so it, it, he's just kind of an easy target, being being our big man that that is you know not producing like we'd like to see. But but like you mentioned, there's no production after those three guys. You get mm-hmm. 20 rebounds out of three guys, and you almost get nothing out of the rest. And that just that that's not going to get it done. And if you look at what Western Kentucky did, where they had I I, I moved the screen away, but I want to say there were at least three guys with two, th- three or four guys with at least two offensive rebounds. Yeah. I mean, I mean we've been getting killed not only on the boards, but the offensive glass is worse than anything. Yeah. Because when you give up an extra five, six, seven, obviously you're going to get your own. So if you you want to talk about the net? If you're netting, if it's negative four, that could be points. And, and not only that, but when you're not shooting well on the offensive end, and you're playing your ass off, on the offensive, and your body language. All right, I think we're back in. What, what's new, man? Blog Talk Radio. I think we got to find a new place to, to, that was the first, to put these podcasts that was the up. First time we got cut off mid show. Mid show. I mean, it's happened pre show, but not in the middle of a hot take. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's just the cue to move on. I think on. we were on fire too. <laughs> I think we were kind of no, on fire. Look, look, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm, gonna end, I'm gonna end this session with this. Um, to me, when you talk about about rebounding, right? It's easy to say this from the outside looking in and somebody, I mean, I played basketball in high school and whatnot, but, you know, not at this level. It's easy to say it's all about effort. But I really think that's what it is. Yeah. You go find your man, you box him out, and whoever wants it more is going to get that ball. And, and and when you talk about that, and when you talk about free throws, which we really haven't even talked about much, <laughs> those two things go back to coaching and fundamentals. And and that's something that we that that I mean I don't think any any of Floyd's teams have ever been great free throw shooting teams, but we've never seen them this bad at least the way they have been in conference, and and we haven't seen them get out rebounded like they have in conference, and and and, and I don't want to say that that the team is completely lost, but to me those are signs that you don't have control of your team, that that they that it's just they're not either they're not buying in or they don't care. I don't know I don't know what it is, but. You know, I'll end, I'll end on that, man. If you want to throw anything in on that conversation, um, I think Blog Talk said move on. Move it on. Move it on. 
Anyway, UTEP coming up this week got UAB and Middle Tennessee returning home from a, for a much, much-needed homestand after starting uh, with five of seven games on the road in conference play. UAB tomorrow night, January 29th. Maybe y'all, many of y'all will be hearing this, and it will be today by that time. But uh, January 29th, Thursday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. CBS you know, this is a big work. game because obviously UTEP's trying to rebound and find themselves again. And UAB is finding themselves at the right time. I mean, obviously, they're still ten and ten overall, but starting off six and one in league play, and and we're not talking about you know beating all the the, the FAU. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they did beat a couple of those teams, but they already picked up a win at Middle Tennessee. They picked up a win against Charlotte and Old Dominion. This is a team, and and they won. I mean, they came very close in their lone loss at Louisiana Tech by three. So. This is a team that's playing some very, very good basketball. Yeah, I mean, I don't write for Blazer Rush over there, but, I mean, this is a team that you could tell that's starting to develop their depth that they have. They're developed. I mean, this is a very young team. I put it in our game preview up there on Minor Rush, so y'all checked it out. Um, this is a, all the SIDs, school SIDs came together and figured out that UAB is the third youngest team in college basketball. But, I mean, they have just some athletic guys that are fitting into Jared House's system. And, I mean, this team is really gelling. You're talking about the way that they ended December. You lose four games going into conference play. I mean, usually as a fan base, you're four and nine. You lose four straight to some teams that were tough, but, you know, you kind of got – I think a couple of them, they got kind of blown out too down the stretch of that uh, that December run. Actually, they played close. The only game that really got blown out uh, – was with North Carolina, but I mean, this you looking at that point of the season, and all of a sudden, you put it together. You're leading the conference during conference play in three shooting categories. You're playing great defense, and not only that, you won six of your seven conference games. And then, like you said, against two upper echelon teams in the conference, this team has it going, and they have a shot blocker, they have some guards, and then they have a young freshman that's developing. And oh yeah, C.J. Washington, who at the beginning of the year, most of us that follow Conference USA the way we do, figured, hey, this guy may be a legit candidate for player of the year. And now they're putting it together. And it's sort of like we talked about pre-show, that Floyd mold of playing tough schools, loading up your schedule, and kind of get. We saw that with, with Tulsa last year. Tulsa had a horrible non-conference record, but they played some really, really good teams. And once conference play, once exactly this time of year got on, they were on a roll. So this is what we're kind of seeing at, at a UAB. Yeah, that's, a so that's actually a very, very good comparison. And and if you look at UAB's schedule, I mean, I want to preview this game a little bit, but if you look at UAB's schedule, right, they have, they're have they at, at UTEP, obviously, tomorrow, and they got Louisiana Tech at home, which, again, they played them very tough on the road, so you never know what might happen in that game. But Western Kentucky at home, and other than those three games, you're at UTSA, you're at home against Southern Miss, at UNT, at Rice, Marshall, Middle Tennessee at home, FAU, and FIU on the road. You've got a lot of the bottom half of the league coming up, and this could be a team like we saw last year in Tulsa come out and, I mean, maybe win the Conference USA regular season title, which a month ago sounded absurd yeah. because you looked at them and, and they, they've won six of seven now, obviously with the six and one starting conference, they were sitting at four and nine, you know, they're sitting at four and nine coming off a 31 point loss to North Carolina. And you're thinking this team is going to be a rollover. You know, we're going to be able to roll over them come, come conference time. And now you're thinking we're going to have our hands full. And so, I mean, look out for UAB tomorrow night. Like you mentioned, their ability to, to rebound the basketball could could pose an issue, and just as hot as they're playing right now, man, I we we saw the line. I think you mentioned earlier that that you thought the line should be somewhere around eight, eight six to eight, eight six to the lowest. Okay, eight so somewhere highest. around that. And then we find out, we go look it up. The line is actually eleven, eleven and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. That's a lot of points, man. And for the way that UTEP has been playing, and you know what's crazy is Vegas is normally the reality. Um, and so it, it, it might be reminder. I think they're expecting a real rebound game, and, and maybe we should too. I mean, they're talented. I mean, Lutep Miners uh, tweets at us. Uh, Lee from UAB was a ESPN Top 100 guy. He was also an Alabama Gatorade Player of the Year. And you got Robert Brooks, who's I think is one of the best all-around offensive players in the conference that really nobody's talking about. I mean, this is a six-five Virginia Tech transfer. Uh, watching the last game against Old Dominion was just getting to the rim against Old Dominion's base. I mean, really just kind of you're seeing when you – we always talk about, oh, a team kind of hitting their hitting their stride. When watching Robert Brown doing the things that he was, 
like he was doing against Old Dominion, that shows you right there that this team's turning that corner and they're getting, when you're getting that production and tough layups and, and good offensive sets that are leading to tough layups and you're breaking down a team like they broke down Old Dominion, what, beat them by, what, 13 points or whatever yeah, it was? And- I mean, that was impressive to see because just like we're saying that when you, you got shellacked by North Carolina, you're 4-9, you know, you played well against Florida, you played well against UCLA, look where they're at now, you know, early in the conference season where they, a non-conference season where they played them. But this is a team, like you said, they're starting to get in. They have weapons. They have long athletic weapons with a shot blocker and Tosh Mahaney in the middle. I mean, this is a game where, this is not a game where UTEP's going to be able to poke the ball away or physically dominate somebody with their pressure. I mean, this is a game that could go down to the wire, back and forth, a typical UAB UTEP game that we've been kind of used to. Yeah, we have. We've seen a few uh, multiple overtime games between these two teams, but um, you know, you mentioned the win over Old Dominion, eighty-one sixty-eight, and it's not so one by thirteen because Old Dominion is struggling a little bit, but. The fact that they put up 81 points, because I don't know exactly what you, Old Dominion, their you know defensive stats are. We've but known them as a, 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 they're, they're a last year they hung and they, they muddy the waters. They hold it down to a low-scoring game. They're going to keep it in the 50s, maybe 60s. But to go out and score 81 on them, it shows that you're clicking. Even yeah. with Old Dominion struggling, their defense has still been there. So you're, these guys are clicking. And, and what's interesting about them is Jared Haas has these guys playing at a, as a team. Yeah, at, at, they are. There's there's not one or two guys. I mean, yeah, you mentioned Washington and Brown, but there's not just one or two guys that get it done. There's eight or nine guys that oh. get it done. If you look at if you look at their stats, you got one guy that averages double figure scoring, and then you got another eight that are basically averaging six points or more a game. I mean, that's huge. And it's the same thing with rebounding. You don't have anybody that really dominates, but you've got four from you know five or six different players that average four or five rebounds a game, I mean, you start spreading that out and get a couple here and there, you've got some pretty good numbers. So these guys are getting it done at a number of different positions. And, again, just talking about how hot they're playing right now, it is. It's very, very dangerous for the Miners right now because, look, we can sit here and talk about 12-7 and seven and, and we can write it off as road games and tough shooting nights and missed free throws or whatever you want to say. You start losing at home – what 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 what's what's the excuse there? Nope. You know, so it really is danger zone. It's time to just strap it up. You know, get over whatever you've been doing wrong. You know, I think it's I think more than anything. I think it's focused. It is. I think it's. Focused. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody can just, agree with you. Just get focused. Yep. It's there. The tools are there. I understand. You know, we have less depth than than we thought we were gonna have. You know. We don't have the ideal lineups that we we want to have, but the tools are there. Still, a top, our front line is still top in the conference. Anybody just, would say. Just, I think it's all about focus, man. Yeah, you gotta just get I focused. Agree. Get get focused on the on the big picture, because you know what? At four and three, it's easy to kind of start saying, "Well, you know what? We're out of we're out of the conference race or whatever." We're three games back or whatever it is behind behind Western Kentucky, but you start getting focused on the bigger picture. Start taking it one game at a time and start working towards that tournament because that's when it's really going to count. You know what? Regular season record is out the window now, man. We we 40 minutes. It don't mean anything. It don't mean anything. It's all going to come down to one game at a time and then that tournament. That's that's really what's going to matter is that conference tournament. So we just got to get focused back on the bigger picture, take care of business here at home, and then you've got a little road stretch with FIU and FIU, FAU and FIU. You might be able to string four or five, six wins together, and now you're back rolling again, heading into late February, early March. That's what you really need. Oh, I mean, you got to set yourself up because to me, the next whatever you want to call it, Super Bowl game, whatever, is La Tech on the road, and you have five games in between there and now to figure that out because that could be a game that I mean, I, I hate, I don't even think it's legit to say it, but that is a game that could help your resume. And it is going to help your confidence going into that conference. Yeah, I think it's, I think so, it's I mean, a confidence builder more than anything. I think at this point, you know, resumes out the window. I mean, maybe, maybe you want to start talking resume for NIT. Um, I think that's the only resume that you're going to do at this point. I don't think. I, I think at large chances, completely, Marshall, completely out the. Not even just Marshall. You know, you had plenty of. And I sound like a broken record talking about this, but we've had plenty of opportunities from Washington and Colorado State and Arizona and the first Louisiana Tech, you know, to, to get those key wins that will put you up there and, and you fail to do so. 
You had another one against Western Kentucky. You failed to do so. And and when you can't get those key wins, and then you add those games like Marshall and New Mexico State as bad losses, your your resume is toast. So I'm not even worried about an at-large bid or any kind of resume. Right now it's just about winning one game, you know, starting to get that confidence going again. And, yeah, once you get to Louisiana Tech, that is a confidence game. And maybe if you if you have strong five or six games together, then – you know, that La Tech game could be a resume builder, quote-unquote, for, for an NIT Dep- tournament. That, that if, depends on the conference. If you don't end up winning the conference tournament. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But no, I, mean, I think we uh, I think y'all have two nervous hosts for the Pons <laughs> game. So, oh, no doubt about it, man. Look, I mean, I, that's, it's just, it's, I think it's going to come down to I think it's going to be a classic game. Do I we mean, even I, – I can't disagree with you. I was just thinking out loud here. you need to go over these power rankings, man? I mean, it's it, it's kind of it kind of resembles the standings a little bit. I I don't even know like. But I mean, it, it's a mess. It's it's, it's a mess, man. <laughs> I mean, look, really, Western look, Western Kentucky's number one. Yeah, I've had them number one. I think yeah, three yeah. three weeks in a row now, and, and I don't think there's any question at this point with their seven and zero start. Talking about that though, they haven't really looked that dominant. You know, I wasn't too. Impressed with them, with the, with the way they played the minors, with the two overtime wins in their in conference play. More than just overtime wins, if we hit one free throw in regulation, we win. Yeah. Shooting O of seventeen yeah. from three point range. You hit two, you win. You know, I mean, you know, you look at the at the way the first half and the game ended against Western Kentucky. We had that foul on the three, and then the foul on the three. They hit all three. We hit two of three. That difference. single point difference was a difference in the game. Because if 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 uh, Irving Morris goes to the line and hits all three free throws, probably not even talking right now. One, one, there's what one second left. They had no timeout. Yes, yeah, it, it was over. It was over. I mean, barring a miracle. But you know, it, it's those kind of performances that haven't really impressed me too much from Western Kentucky. And uh, yeah. but but they are number one. They deserve it. I don't think there's any question about that. Especially after seeing Louisiana Tech go down. Um, in a game that, that I don't think anybody saw coming. Maybe not as shocking as UTEP against Marshall, but still, you know, North Texas takes down Louisiana Tech. That was that was pretty crazy. Down 20 was a 21 and a half. La Tech was on. Somebody tweeted at us. He was, he's actually a legit CBS sports writer uh, that covers college basketball. And he, I mean, he made a good point where uh, Western Kentucky has had a lot of home games. But I think people just, and I'm one of them. I just couldn't put past that that La Tech North Texas game. I, I did. Yeah. There's no way that I could have put. I mean, La Tech. You get that argument of yeah, West Kentucky's kind of been playing with fire a little bit with their wins. They've had a lot of home games against very good teams, but they're winning. You, even your La Tech, you don't go in. It's the same thing like UTEP. You don't go and lose to Marshall. Yeah, that's just a game, and and that's one and two are kind of cemented in. You know, with lot with West Kentucky at one, they got nine all. All nine first place votes, 126 out of our nine voters. LaTeX came in with 115 majority of the second place voters, and the number three through six is where it gets interesting. And the team that we're going to see tomorrow night had 107 points, so it's is a lot. It really is yeah. at that point. That means they got much either they, they probably get nothing. They may have gotten one. I think they did get one lower than five, but UAB and that was probably Rigo from Minor Illustrated. <laughs> Shout out to Rigo, it was a good boy. But ten and ten, six and one, they got the UTEP UTSA swing. Number four, Middle Tennessee, ninety five. That's where UTEP's been. They've been in that ninety, hundred range all year. I, I just and then don't Old know. Dominion at ninety three. UTEP at, at six. It's just what, crazy. Where do you I don't these I don't I think it's perfect, to be honest yeah, with you. I, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's where it should be. But is UAB really better than UTEP? Is Middle Tennessee really better than UTEP? I, I mean, I, I can't I can't have my cake and eat it, too. So I have to put them at six, which is where I had them. You know, last week I was talking about, about Western Kentucky when I said, oh, well, power rankings are about how are you playing right now. So I can't have my cake and eat it, too, and say, oh, well, UTEP's number three, even though I still think UTEP is better than those teams. Yeah. You know, even but, better than Old Dominion. Even better than Old Dominion, I do. But but you know, regardless of that, we see the way they've been playing, and yeah, I think three through six is perfect. UAB deserves to be third. I think they do. UAB could possibly make an argument to be second. But they're ten and ten, which is which is they're ten and ten. I mean, that's I think only the not. only reason they're not like I think if if UAB's loss was to let's say it was to Western Kentucky, 
and it wasn't to, to LaTeX, then you might consider putting UAB ahead of, of LaTeX. But three through six, I mean, there's kind of, you could argue it a hundred ways. In fact, three through 14, there's just so much mess. I have, I have a problem with UTSA putting up seven because. But where do you put them? I would, I put them, I think I put them at nine or 10. Because they've lost to Rice. Look, I, I mean, they, 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 we can debate. We, oh, we can go back and forth on it. That's yeah, why I didn't even know if we should talk about these rankings this week. Because <laughs> honestly, it's just crazy. The only team that deserves where they're at, probably lower, is Charlotte. So, so you, <laughs> you, you saying, you're saying a six and twelve Rice team should be seven? Is that no? I, I think I had Rice at. You know, I think I did have Rice at seven in mind. That's crazy. I think I did. I, I think the, I did. You know, and that, but that's that's. That's why, like this week, I told you multiple times. You know, it, how how do we even begin to rank these teams? Like, I don't, I don't even know where to go with this. It, I mean, I don't know, man. But Rice seven, six and twelve. It, it just sounds crazy. I, you know, I've been doing these power rankings for a couple of years now, and a few years back, I remember making a lot of arguments with people about how how good Conference USA was and trying to before Memphis and them left. You know, trying to make an argument for you know, we have six or seven teams in the top 100 RPI, you know, and and now we're, we're making an argument that the seventh best team in the league has an RPI of 296. That's that, and that was my problem with even that's, that's yeah. That just shows like where this league is at right now, man. And it, there's some quality teams at the top, but this is. It's rough. It's rough once you pass the first four or five teams. And I think that's why you, you hear Floyd even before conference play, he's saying, "Well, you know, your UTSA's, you know, your your, your FAU's, your Rice's, they, they start scheduling the cupcakes." I mean, that's to, for them to, for that reason for them to possibly come in around 500, so that if a team like UAB gets hot, well, you know, you're sitting high, you beat a top. But how do you how this. do you make that determination of like who schedules? Cupcakes and who's schedule is strong, and th- th- I wanted to pick Floyd's brain because I mean, really, that's kind of like that's a and, and honestly question. though, it, it doesn't really help you with the cupcakes. It doesn't help your RPI even with the wins. It, it, you can go look at some teams and 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 they might they might be like you might start let's say six or seven and two or whatever it is you know, and you played a bunch of nobodies, and, and your RPI might be up near the top one hundred at that point. But the way the RPI is calculated. Fifty percent goes off of who you play. Your wins and losses against the teams that you play. Then twenty-five percent of it is the teams that 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 the teams you played played. So your opponents' opponents. And then another twenty-five is your opponents' opponents' opponents. It's like a little tree, yeah. right? So once your opponents that are the cupcakes start to go play in their little leagues, well, it's going to start to bring your RPI down because they're playing other teams that are. So, so it really, it's it's a double-edged sword. You play, you know, bad teams and build your RPI up early and then have it drug down later on, or do you schedule tough and lose all your games and go down? I mean, it is, that, that's what I was I wondering. I don't even know where well, you go with well, that, well, Floyd said that comment, it was like, well, wait wait a minute. Is it is it the opposite? Do, do you have these weaker teams schedule cupcakes? Or what? You, that's, that's really something that possibly maybe even the league coaches maybe need to get together and have a beer or two at the end of the season or during the conference tournament to try to figure that I out. I just think we're in a league now that and, – and I don't see it getting any better. Because you talk about some of the some of the teams, some of the expansion. Like if UAB leaves, right? UAB has been a pretty decent basketball yeah. team for the league over the, over the course of the last X amount of years. And, and if you talk about that football program, which is something that I think we're going to be getting back into because I, I haven't not read anything about the latest, but uh, – they're still they're still trying to bring that that football program back from the dead. Yeah. Um, and they're they're making progress with it, but that's that's the topic. But you know, if UAB does go away, and then you're talking about replacing them with these Arkansas States or Georgia Southern or whatever Georgia State, or I don't even know what that at this point, who the replacements are. This conference continues to get watered down as a basketball league, and man, that's that we're kind of at the point where it's just worry about yourself. Yeah, it, this isn't this this isn't the from five years ago or fifteen years ago. It's a completely new league. Pretty much, I don't even know if any of the founding members are still around, other than UAB. I think UAB was a founding Marshall, member. Marshall, Marshall, is Marshall, Marshall a founding Marshall member? Marshall. I don't think so. No, that, no, they weren't. They were out of they the were, Yeah, 
you know, regardless. So this league, it's, it's not what it was, man. And, and and at this point, you know, I think I think Vanowski, Vanowski, right? His name? I don't even know anymore, bro. Yeah, Rick Vanowski. You know, he did a good thing when he tried to get a lot of these teams to start scheduling tougher. Back when we had some of these other schools in ECU and UCF, Memphis and Houston, all those guys. He he tried to to drive it into the ads and the coaches to schedule tougher. That way, you know, we build up our conference RPI. With all those schools gone and with where we're at now, it, it's to me, it's not even it's it's and, a lot. And, and I agree with Lutep. Lutep tweeted at us where Rice is is a school that I saw they got a four star guy I think, and you can see kind of uh, you know the billion to have. Also, I mean UTSA with, with Brooks Thompson, they're veteran heavy. My opinion, and I think that may be a team that we could see a drop off possibly next year. But when you get a guy like Christian Wilson, that's not a bad pickup for. Like, so, but but it's not the it's not like where a team like uh, Memphis and Houston could just reload in one recruiting class and be dominant in yeah. the USA like like we were kind of used to, where it's like oh shit, we're kind of weak, but look at what Houston got. You know, where you can kind of dictate at the beginning yeah. of the season, it's going to be rough. But I mean, some. I mean, we're, we're still seeing a lot of talent come into the league. I don't oh, think yeah. there's any question about that. And, and college basketball as a whole, has, you, you're starting to see a lot more parity, you know, and, and that's a good thing. But at the same time, for a league like ours, uh, it's tough because other other conferences, you know, I just throw out, like, let's say the Big Ten. If Wisconsin goes out and loses to Penn State, right, even though Penn State's not a very good basketball team, I mean, they're decent this year with DJ Newbill and whatnot, but just to throw out a couple names, you know, you have a better team and a lower team. When that when that better team loses to the lower team in a bigger conference, they get every excuse in the book. And, you know, there's just parity and, and it's, you know, it's there's so much talent. Multiple and, big leagues. Yeah, you know, and, and you, you, it's so hard to play these teams on the road and you're like, dude, really? Like, you're garbage. That team's garbage. And, and, you get that, but in these smaller leagues, you don't. And so you you can't lose to these other teams. And so, again, I, I just go back to what I said about, you know, the whole RPI thing is kind of a lost cause. It's it's every man for himself at this point, in my opinion. And that's the way it's got to be looked at from here on from, from here forward. And, and as, as a UTEP fan, you know, we need to continue to schedule tough. We need to continue to, to bring in as much talent as possible. But we just got to start taking care of business, and we can't be worried about conference RPI or if it's a one bid league or an eight bid league or whatever. It's about go handle your business. You're gonna have to do with some of these teams. You know, we saw a Utah State do it, and I think a Middle Tennessee did it a few years back, or uh, I don't know when, when they go and win 27, 28 games just to get into the tournament. Yeah. You might have to start doing that. You know, maybe maybe if you're scheduling a little tougher, maybe it's only 25 or 26, but you're gonna have to get above that threshold in this league from now on. And and again, every man for himself. Got to start taking care of business, man. That's that's where it really comes down to. I'm not even worried about RPI anymore yeah. with this league. And I mean, this. And the, the good thing about it though is we have a fresh basketball game. We're talking about and support our team tomorrow. So appreciate everybody out there with your with seeing y'all tweet. I mean, it, it, to, to me, I'll read some of y'all's tweets, and I, I don't think we're finger pointing. I think we're just stating the facts and kind of just going with what we see. And we appreciate everybody. I'm finger pointing. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But no, no, I appreciate man, everybody's interaction today, man. I mean, we're just call, we're just calling it like we see it, man. We, I mean, this is, we get a forum, kind of that almost I'm gonna say obligated, but look, we're all this give is our about, text, and I mean, all this hey, is about, man, is is getting some conversation out there. Oh yeah, building up building up minor nation, and, and you know, getting people talking about it, and and not only minor nation, but we try to do something at minor rush with the rest of the league as well. We're the only SB Nation site for Conference USA schools, so we're always trying to bring other leagues to get to get the conversation going and get more uh, content and just just make the site better because that's what it's really about. Oh. And and these things that we that we do here, you know, the podcast is just the conversation exactly. going and give you all something to talk about and hear and think about or you know. Whatever. But we're no experts. It's just about calling it like we see it and trying to do the best we can doing that. But Got to get people to start joining in on this conversation because I think that's what will take it over the top. Oh, yeah. Y'all, next week, we need y'all to call in. All right, 347-934-0951. I'm done for the night, yeah, man. Y'all I don't know what that is. Y'all can get it. Y'all can get it. We can have fun as hell. It doesn't, show, it doesn't matter, do it. man. It doesn't matter. Appreciate the love all the time. Y'all know where y'all can find us at. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. it. Go ahead. I got it right in front of me.
You can get us up on Twitter. We're at SB, SBN Minor Us, Facebook.com slash Minor Us, Gmail, SBN Minor Us at Gmail. Uh, like we go through every time. We're always in the comment threads. We, we have a lot of emails out there on our profiles in SB Nation. Thank you for SB Nation for making this possible. Block Talk Radio, our love hate relationship with them, but you know, good show nonetheless. So keep in tune. We got a lot of recruiting, two bat four basketball games with the women doing the Middle Tennessee UAB yep. flip uh road. And I see you out there, DJ Blue Raider DJ. We don't get in that ass on Saturday, but <laughs> again, if you all want to get in on a conversation, you know where to find us. And more than that, if you all want to start helping out with Minor Rush, you all want to co- contribute, you know, get content up, start writing for us, helping us out, whatever it might be. And all the outlets you can find us. Let us know what you want to do, what you can do. It's Let's continue. SB Nation, man. Minor Rush. It's a UTEP fan. For minor fans, by minor fans. That's what it's all about, man. That's I a good way. We out. Peace.